Hello, this is Improvised Radio Theatre with Dice. With me, Michael Kuehl. And me, Roger Bell West. And, yeah, it is in the deep winter. Uh, ice is falling fast. Well, not actually. Maybe yeah, everywhere you yeah. are. Uh, we had a bit yeah. of fog this morning. I, I, I wish to defy my colleague here by pointing out that he was wrong about the government's willingness to put Buckinghamshire into Tier 3. They did it eventually, you know, after we'd, <laughs> after we'd all infected each other. I've, I've so, so now we have time to breed, breed it up to uh, be stronger before we see everybody else again at Christmas. Yeah, Buckinghamshire will conquer the world by being infectious. It, it's the We're not going to see anybody at Christmas. We're not going to see anybody at Christmas. There will be remote Christmases. Anybody I see I, at Christmas is going to be warned off the property, probably. But Well... I've ordered myself a new T-shirt which says it's supposed to cover your bloody nose as well, or words to that effect. I, I'm a little cranky mm-hmm. at the moment, um, it must be noted. Yes, How well, are you, I, Roger? I, I'm someone who, who has actually worked uh, in, in a sterile environment and knows how to do this. So for me, it's just second nature. And then, and and I get, I look over at somebody. I think they they are wrong. That that is something wrong with that. You know, as if they had two heads or something. And I realise it's because they got the mask dangling around their nose. And uh, yeah. Oh well. But we, apart from we, being we, cranky, apart from being cranky and indulging in Jeremiads and buying ourselves stuff for Christmas, mm-hmm. um, and even stuff for our few remaining relatives after <laughs> the past year, um, we are. Happy to be here and happy to be talking to you. And we're talking to you about... What are we talking about? Uh, we've got a look at the current bundle of holding and we thought we'd uh, talk about splitting the party, which canonically yes. is a thing you shouldn't do. Yeah, or should you? Or well, sometimes you have to. Just don't split them to, into too small a crumb. Let, let's, let's, let's go on to the first thing. Because we are vastly influential and um, and, and important uh, trendsetters, at least in our very tiny field, uh, we get access to the bundle of holding from the nice person who puts it together. And just before Christmas, um, there is a nice little bundle in there, and uh, one one that I think you m- many of you might find of interest. Uh, if you're listening to this on release day, it is available until the 4th of January, so hurry, hey, hurry. Hey, and, w- and if you're not listening to this on release day, why aren't you listening to this on release day? We are talking about a double um, bundle of the books for the modern age, or um, that stands for Advanced Gaming Engine um, System, and for the Expanse setting, which um, is a franchise of the famous TV series and novel <coughs> series. Yeah. The, the, the novel series that was actually uh, spawned off the pitch for a failed MMORPG. Uh, let's, let's be accurate about where all this stuff comes from. Uh, but hey, okay, hey. Let, let, let's talk about, let's talk about uh, modern age first, because okay. th- this has a bit of a pedigree. Um, it, it, with, it is with... a modernifying form of fantasy age, and that in itself, I, I believe, the system started as Blue Rose. I'm not sure. I think no. I think Blue Rose came into this later. Blue Rose was an adaptation. What it started with was Dragon Age, I think. 
Okay, yeah. Um, which anyway. started out, which is an RPG treatment of, I think, a computer game. Um, and it got popular because a version of it was used by Will Wheaton. You may spit now, Roger. Um, for his, uh, uh, for his uh, web um, Table series. Table, well, for the Tabletop's um, RPG uh, campaign. And th- then they modified, they, they took a modified version of Fantasy Age to use in the standalone um, RPG-specific web series he did. Yeah, um, and that sort of gave it enough impetus to spin off into uh, something else. So, I fan- fan- Fantasy Age Fantasy is Age. the, let us say, the, the, the non-licensed Dragon Age. It, it is mm-hmm. intended to be a generic fantasy RPG system. And it's not very generic, but it, it's good for well, what it Well, it, it's for D&D-style heroic fantasy, which isn't yeah. very generic, but it's what most fantasy RPGs look like. Yeah. Uh, so this is the same core system... Mm-hmm. Um, but somewhat modified. And for example, they, they have stripped out the classes. Yeah. So any, anybody can learn anything. Uh, but you do still have levels, and that defines when you advance and how much you advance, mm-hmm. when, when you get to learn new stuff. Um, so what we've got here is essentially a generic modern plus or minus system. Uh, the, yeah. the examples they give in the book, they're going back to, you know, Victorian horror and they're going forward to near future cyberpunk. You know, it's yeah. still recognisable, but you've got weird cyber tech upgrades and stuff. Mm-hmm. So you know, 20th century plus or minus. Um, yeah. And they, they, there are places where the heroic fantasy st- system is clearly groaning a bit. Uh, because, for, for example, you've, you've got three modes... Uh, which mm-hmm. they call gritty, pulpy, and cinematic. Yeah. And in in gritty mode, you you never increase your hit points. Yeah. For example, your know, fights are deadly. Mm. Um, in in cinematic, you can have all, you can learn all sorts of weird powers and get you know fantasy character levels of hit points and that sort of thing. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Uh, so character generation is they they wouldn't call it that, but effectively it's template based. Um, mm-hmm. You've got, uh, I think it's about nine stats, uh, which range from minus four-ish to plus four-ish. And you, your core resolution is 3d6 plus a relevant stat, plus two if you have the relevant focus, which is essentially a, a skill. It's a binary skill. You either have it yeah. or you don't. Um, mm. So the backgrounds and professions are essentially, you might get a bonus to a stat, you might get this focus or that focus. Mm-hmm. It, it pays to specialise, but anyone can learn anything. You do, you do get talents as well, which let you do some niftier stuff. Um, and, yeah, it reminded me a lot, I have to admit, of Genesis. That same feeling of we're not going to go into any specific setting in any sort of detail. It's, it's obviously not trying to be as wide-ranging as Genesis, because it is the modern mm-hmm. and modern adjacent. But it's still saying, OK, you know, we're going to list a revolver, a combat shotgun, not a great long list of uh, 20th century cool weapon names. We are only going to, to quote one of Genesis's sins, in my opinion, we're only going to give you the option of the leather jacket or nothing much. <laughs> this is only because my character is the one who is, has not spent immense amounts of money getting super duper special um, armour. Mm-hmm. But, uh, yeah, I, so, I, um, I, I quite enjoyed some of the flow of Fantasy Age, of the, the ideas of 
what happens when you roll real good um, and the stunts and that, I seem to recall. Yeah, so it, all, all these rolls are on 3d6. The universal mechanic yeah. is roll 3d6. If you, One of them should be a different colour, and if you get a double or triple on your roll, then the, num- the number on that different coloured d6 is the number of stunt points you accumulate. Which, which you can then, neat, neat, yeah. Which you can then spend to do neat things in the same turn or later. Uh, I think off, after that particular action that you're doing, I believe. Okay. Though I mean, if if you do really well on a hit, you you can enhance the hit. Yeah. Yeah, I found, I thought which, that which, which never is good pl- and bad. Um, good it, it, it's good because you have a bunch of nifty stuff you can do. Yeah, uh, it's bad because you have a bunch of nifty stuff you can do. If I mean, if if you're, let, let's just say you're punching somebody or, or hitting them with a knife mm. or something, that there might be twenty separate separate stunt options on two different tables that you need to think about spending your points on. Yeah, and per, and 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 mid combat is not a point to have uh, decision paralysis. I, I noticed that with some of the NPC write ups, they actually list two or three stunts that they use. Frequently, but yeah. you know, it, th- these aren't things you have to learn. Any character can try them if they've got the stunt points. Yeah. Um, um, the the other thing that does strike me is it's kind of random how many stunt points you get. I mean, it's loosely correlated with how well you did on a thing, but only loosely. I like it a lot because it doesn't mean that you have to decide before you go into the attack. What particularly nifty thing you will do if you get a good roll, which is a problem with RuneQuest, and I think this is is their attempt to solve that problem. Mm-hmm. But uh, but as you say, it does mean oh my godfathers, I have six stunt points. What do I do now? What do I do now? I can do so many things. Yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm looking at the, there's a page of general combat stunts, which is maybe twenty things on here. With costs from one to five, mm. you know, stop. You know, at the bottom level, gain plus three to initiative per stop point you spend. At the top level, instant kill if you're in a gritty game, or at least an extra two d six damage for a lethal blow if you're not. And that that's a thing you can do in combat if you're using a gun. There's another table with another twelve things you can yeah, do. Yeah, I, I, I think it would improve the system if you had to make a selection of the stunts you know before you went into combat, but. Um, I can see why they why why they do it this way, but I can see there are disadvantages. I'm I'm currently reading uh, the fourth edition of Earth Dawn. Maybe I'll get around to giving a review sometime. Mm-hmm. But the character generation hits that oh so many piles of stuff so badly organised point. Uh, much it's it's not quite as bad as Exalted was, but it's. Um, it's causing my eyes to strain, and I'm only on the B's, I think, at the moment of that long alphabetical list. Well, there's, there's this thing in uh, uh, user interface design of uh, five plus or minus two, which is essentially in, in any single choice point, you shouldn't give people more than uh, absolute maximum seven options to choose from. Now, yeah, if, if you've got five more, is five is better, I think. Yeah, if if you've got more things than that, then then you ought to try to make them into some kind of hierarchy. So, in the context of this, you might say, you know, here is a class of things that are make make my attack more damaging, and mm. here is a different class of things that are um, confuse the enemy and make him easier to hit, and, and so on. And then you would go down within that. Anyway, yeah. that, that's I, I, I think that I think that might that might be what Exalted was trying to do with Charm Trees, but it doesn't do it very well. 
So, um, it's a nice idea. I think it might be a bit overwhelming. It, it's one of those things where you probably have to learn the system. And once you learn the system and say, okay, this is the thing I do if I have three stomp points and, and I want to make a second attack. Mm. Or rather, you know, if I have, if I want to make a second attack, I need three stomp points to do it with. And if I only have two, then I'll, then I'll probably do the um, extra damage, or whatever. Yeah. whatever. Um, does Blue Rose have much of the way of social mechanics? It seems to me like the sort of thing that probably would. Oh yeah, uh, Blue Rose is all about the social mechanics, as far as I can recall it, because it's all about relationships and love, mm-hmm. and. Uh, and and not necessarily fighting, though heroic fighting is encouraged. But um, what can I say? But about, but about romance, it it is yeah. the romantic role playing game. Yeah, and, we we, we don't have uh, romance as such here, but there, there is. They they feel to me kind of fuzzy, but the, the basic idea of a, of social mechanics is you know, you you want to get something from a person. Um, mm. they have these various things standing in the way and you do a series of um, tests to, to try to beat them down. Yeah, wh- whether that is you know intimidation, persuasion or something else, the, mm. the core mechanic is basically they have these objections and you try to remove them. Yeah, it sounds like, like Robin, uh, Robin Laws' ideas of uh, dramatic scenes and negotiation, and to, which to I'm me, not convinced that's... by. That that's probably fine for the you know can I talk my way past the security guard? Uh, mm. I I tend to ask a little bit more from my social mechanics than that, but possibly I'm being unreasonable here. Uh, we also get a, a chapter on psi powers and magic because th- this is very action focused. It reminded me in that respect mm-hmm. uh, again of Savage Worlds and Genesis. They're, they're definitely saying we want fast moving action orientated games. And yeah. if, if, that um, means we, if that means we have psi powers and superhuman abilities, well, that's fine. It's, it's not a superhero game. It's, it's definitely human plus rather than superhuman. I think it may have Feng Shui in its, uh, in its DNA a bit as well. Yeah, I could see that. Um, and, and as I, I said earlier, it does seem to... The whole, whole, um, the whole family appears to be derived from a computer game. And so it's not really surprising. That's what they're focusing on. What do you make? I the the bit I poked at when I, I saw this was the uh, setting that came with it threefold, which mm. strikes me as interesting as far as I've got because it looks like an, it's another multi world um, multi world setting like Infinite Worlds yeah. or or Monty Cook's The Strange. It looks a bit more interesting than Infinite Worlds, which has a, has a very corporatist core to it. Well, it's def- definitely got interesting multiple factions. Yeah, and and uh, and the reason it's called Threefold is that it uses the three basic types of, of worlds that the system is set up for. Uh, modern day gritty and conspiratorial. And, and recent uh, history. Recent and recent history. Alternate worlds are in there. Yeah. Um, fantastic worlds and alternate worlds. And um, near, near future and near past um, high-tech stuff. It, look, um, it looks interesting. I haven't got very far into that's it. That's interesting, but... because the, the, the list I was looking at, uh, possibly we were looking at different okay. bits of the book, is... Maybe I've got it wrong. Uh, Earths, and branched off histories and things like that, yeah. as, as we said. Uh, other worlds which are... Yeah, there, there is magic, uh, there are myths, there are stuff like that. Yeah, your fantasy mm. worlds, basically. Uh, and Netherworlds, which are basically gloom and inferno and demon and oh crap! 
Uh, I'm sorry, I may have been been imposing bits of the expanse from my, my subconscious. <laughs> but, uh, okay, Crapsack Worlds. We'll come back to Crapsack Worlds No, no, later. actual demons. They're, demons are there to make your world miserable. <laughs> they do a terribly, terribly good... You've all done very well. Oh, dear. Um, yeah, Extra I'm, I'm, software I'm, and your ration today. <laughs> Lucky boy. Um, I, I I sort of like the look of this. I, If I'm going to do anything with the uh, advanced gaming engine system family, I'd probably plunge into fantasy uh, age at some point. That certainly seems to be the one that's been most developed so far, though. Yeah, this only came out relatively recently. I think well, it, it looks like good, it looks like good working places, but it, it, you may hit its boundaries quite quickly. Well, I I have this talent for finding broken bits of a system. Go on. Well, okay, it's it's got abstracted money because they. It, I like they, abstracted they, money. Yeah, they quite you know reasonably say that it's quite boring to say, you know, I I have three thousand. The the gun costs seven hundred. Right, I have twenty three hundred left, and so on. Yeah. So they they do. You have an abstracted resources level, and mm. you you the the costs of things are expressed in target numbers for that. Yeah. And basically, like all abstracted money systems I've I've seen, um, the higher it is, the the lower your chance of being able to get it. That's that's fine. So yeah. look, so that you you need to roll the difference or more on three d six. Yeah. And if if the difference is four or less, then it's automatic. That's fine. And the, there is the usual problem with this um, is that you say, okay, here is a thing I can buy automatically. I want to buy twenty thousand of them. And yeah. so there is a warning to the GM that, that that they should probably not allow that, but there isn't any real detail on it. So, okay, fair enough. Okay, so if you buy something that is 10 points or more higher than your resource level, mm-hmm. which is a plausible thing to do, you need to roll a 10 plus on 3d6, then your resources drop by one. Because I like your face, my son. <laughs> your resources drop by one. Yeah. If it's less than that, they don't. Okay, that, that's fine. But again, that, that's not a problem. Then you can sell stuff. Um, this well, doesn't normally need a roll, as long as it's a legal thing you're, you're selling. Yeah. Uh, the cost the cost value goes down by one. If yeah. the cost value is still higher than your resources, you get plus one to your resources. Okay. I yeah. And the problem here is if it's so. Okay, I, I'm an investigator. I have resources four. That's one of the yeah. standard templates. Okay, I look around for something that is target number eight to buy. I, uh-huh. I find a bicycle is in the equalist. It's target number eight. Uh, I buy this. I do not need a roll to buy it because it's it's four or less higher than my resources. Yeah. I sell it. It's seven because um, the cost has dropped by one. That is higher than my resources. My resources went up by one. Now I have resources five. Yeah, I, but I didn't the... need to make a roll to do that. Hmm... That is all strictly. I think, I, to think the this, I think this is a self-solving problem because um, one, it does happen in the real world. People buy and sell and move things around and make money. I don't understand how, but they do. And we are not. What well, basically what you have to do, and what it says in the rain rules, and it should say more firmly in this, is say, "Are you a f- adventurer 
Or are you a, f- a second-hand uh, bike salesman? Yeah, this this rule is broken. Yes, as a, as a good GM, you can say we won't use that rule, but that's what the book says. And the book should yeah. not say that. It should have been playtested. It should have been read through by somebody who took more than 20 seconds. I do just want to finish off a little bit of stuff oh, on Moral Age. There, there are a couple of other books. Go uh, on, I mean, o- overall, the arrangement is a bit tricky because you've got stuff separated into the player section and the GM section, which mm. is fine. Um, but if you want a combat rule, for example, it might be an either. Yeah. So I've, I would want to run this from the PDF just so that I could search stuff. Uh, so in the companion, you've got more talents, more stunts, more enhancements. Yeah. Organisation rules. More stuff. Explosives rules. Oh, God. How do they f- no, don't tell me how they fuck those. I will be here all day. Uh, there's actually some pretty good stuff on... Um, you know, you, you are... Assumed to be in something like a functioning society, yeah. Uh, so you, so they have some, a, a basically a very large random event table, and then suggestions on how you can bring that sort of thing into a campaign and link them to stuff for PCs to do. And one one of the examples mm. they did is, you know, the the sports team is the local sports team might just possibly win the championship. The home home city is ready to celebrate or riot, depending on whether they win or lose. <laughs> And then the PC's enemy obviously takes advantage of this to to try to do something while the PCs are stuck in that stuck in their base or whatever. Um, it's also got some genre notes, you know, uh, pirates, gothic, horror, that kind mm-hmm. of thing. Um, the the these feel a lot like the ones in Genesis, as in we're going to give you some basic notes on what you want to tweak. But if if you actually want to run a game in this, you're going to have to do most of the work yourself, which for me is fine. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's the enemies and allies book. Uh, which is just that. I mean, it's got your basic cops, thugs, stuff like that. It's it's also got arcane beings and monsters, because it, it's clearly uh, that, sort of, that. that sort yeah. of idea. Um, and finally for this, uh, the adventure Warflower, which is basically an action film um, with, with a MacGuffin. A, a lost treatise on alchemy and swordsmanship. Who has not wanted one of those for Christmas? And depending on which option you take, this may be the secret of a wheel tallacy or you know, something else. So, yeah, it, it's definitely... I don't want to be insulting if when I say that if I wanted to do a um, Dan Brown novel RPG, this is the system I'd use. Because if it, it, I were the it, developer, I'd feel insulted. <laughs> I, I mean, in the sense that there is globe trotting and there is putting clues together, yeah, and that that is clearly the sort of style they're looking at, as well as the fighting, and I like that. Um, I do find Ooh. Savage Worlds emphasises the fighting a bit too much, and while there's obviously, yeah, this is still derived from Fantasy Age, it is still a fighty system. They yeah. have gone to quite a lot of trouble to make sure that there are things to do other than fighting, and I, I do like that. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, it's got some problems, but I think one could unbreak it in many ways. So, moving on to the Expanse, which, okay, this is a little bit odd, because as as far as the bundle of holding is concerned, the, the basic offer is the modern age stuff. Yeah. And if you pay the top-up price, you get all the Expanse stuff as well. Uh-huh. This, I, I think that's coming from a salesmanship point of view, yeah. Yeah, uh, and modern age... Sorry, it, it, the Expanse RPG is not an implementation of modern age. What it is, it, what it, it, it is. It is... As far as I can see, I, I can't trace a definite line of descent, but it appears to be a separate modernisation of Fantasy Age. Oh. What it, does it preserve and what does it lose? Well, it has many things in common. The, the main thing it, it changes is uh, you don't have hit points anymore. 
you have fortune points, which yeah, are which serve as your hit points and as your resource to spend to improve stuff. Oh, that is... I'm not sure if that's brilliant, tricky, or really dumb. Because Desperately frustrating? I, yeah, I'm, I, I, I'm, I'm here and I'm down to two hit points. Shall I spend... I are two fortune points. Shall I spend one of them to have the chance of blowing that idiot's brains out? You will recall that I made that choice in your Genesis game mm-hmm. recently. Um, but I don't think everybody functions quite like me. Well, that, that sort of decision can be interesting, yeah. Um, it's tricky because if, if you want to have stunts, then you're going to be spending fortune points to improve your rolls so you get stunt points. Yeah. Uh, and, yeah, if, you, if somebody's got PC levels of fortune points, you're going to have to shoot them a lot before they fall over. Mm. That includes PCs. Uh, okay, so how, how much of The Expanse have you read slash seen? Uh, I have watched the first five minutes of the TV series and I think I got about two chapters into the first book. Okay. Uh, So... I don't have a lot of patience these days. Without going then into too spoilery details, um, the the setup is stuff is happening in the solar system. You You can get around it in quite short amount, quite short amounts of time, like a couple of weeks. Typically, for a, for a, quite a long journey, mm. I'm thinking of this as being something like um, transhuman space, but not quite as transhuman um, space with, with less high tech, except for the utter magic space drives, because there is simply no known physical principle which would allow space drives like that to work. Okay, but for the purposes of we want to be able to get somewhere in a couple of weeks, that's what you have to do. Right, uh, just don't call it hard SF, or I may have to punch you. Um, <laughs> So there is a thing that happens in book three, which potentially expands the area of the game, and that is not mentioned at all in this book. Uh, so, so what you have here is essentially the book of the core premise. There, mm. there is a bit of the stuff about the proto-molecule, which I don't think is a spoiler, because either you know what that is or you don't. I don't. Uh, but, it, but it doesn't doesn't mention any of the stuff that that leads to later on. Um... Which, frankly, is the bit that interests me more uh, than the stuff that comes later. Uh, There is a quite an interesting layman's guide to orbital mechanics. You know, here here is how they actually work, without any numbers, which doesn't make it terribly useful for doing things, working out what's possible. I'm not sure I really see. I mean, it's it's interesting. It's nice to read about. I'm not sure I really see the point of talking about you know what a periapsis is or why you do a circularization burn. If the practical effect is okay, we're going from A to B. It's going to take two hundred hours, which you just get yeah. off, which you just get off the table. I know it sounds like the sort of thing that all you can use it for is to make convincing techno babble. Which okay, I mean, don't underrate it, but yeah, look, um, uh, you have lost more half hours than I can think um, in games in which somebody has somebody who knows something about the. The topic has suddenly pointed out that I'm talking out of my ass, or the game designers are talking out of theirs. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, it it does seem a little. Str- uh, if you're used to hand uh, hand wavier systems than that, um, then uh, then you're not going to be going to go why. Yeah, it also has the same brokenness about the cost and sale system. 
Is that something the player characters are supposed to be doing? Is, yes. Is, is, all right. When, whenever that, you want to buy a piece of gear, you use that cost system. Whenever you, and uh, selling something is supposed to be a thing you can do. Yeah, but is it something you're going to do on a large enough scale to break things? Uh, selling one thing will break things. Selling one... Mm. Um, you're supposed to care deeply about every point of resources you have. I think it's called income in this. Um, yeah. Do- Dr. Bob has, has reviewed the system at greater length on the forum. I'll put a link in the show notes. Yeah, and one, one of the things she found was, um, in some of the adventures, you, you get a reward of plus one income. So the the, the guy who's uh, starving street level say, yeah, I can buy a second rat on a stick. For the same reward that lets the the guy at the other end of the scale say, "Yeah, now I can buy a second space palace." Yeah, it is. It is odd um, when it's not when it's like that. Um, uh, I think I think that it's the it's the lottery winners rule that you can only absorb just so much increase in your wealth, <laughs> no matter how much the numbers are. Your own psyche and cultural um, and cultural nature will prevent you from uh, <laughs> making most use of it. I hope someday to you know be able to experiment on this personally. I, I assume you're of an age to remember spend, spend, spend. Oh yeah, my my dad used to do the pools. I don't think he ever won more than about seventy three quid, <laughs> but. Um, I don't know why that figure is stuck in my memory, but there it is. My wife once rashly promised I can't go, I can't afford to go to some convention or other unless I win the lottery, and, and the, she did. And then did 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 the um, lottery for, uh, for for a friend and got half the winnings, which was I think a fiver. Ha! But at that point had oh. had got had won the lottery and therefore had to go to the convention. Um, it's terrible having ha- having a a such such a binding word. Okay, so Do we have t- it, yeah, it's on. an interesting setting. Uh, it's got, a, to my mind, it has the more interesting bits of the setting, which is the stuff that's earlier in the books before they just everybody decides to rerun the plot of Aliens. Um, mm-hmm. If you if you like the setting, it's it's a decent choice. Though, as with modern age, I would say be prepared to do a bit of work on it. There's a lot of games like that just at the moment. Um, yeah. The, we let, let me put we... it this way. If I, if I wanted to run an Expanse game, I would not regard this as a compelling case for not running it in GURPS or Genesis or Savage Worlds or yeah, any of the others. Yeah, but, but not, not everybody is, uh, is, the, is the adaptations maven that you are. Yeah, but, me, but if, if you're not happy tinkering with rules, I don't think you're going to be happy with the system because it has these brokennesses. It, it also has the same organisational problem of player section, GM section, and key stuff is split between them. So if, if you were doing this with a paper book, all right, you're not going to be doing it with a paper book because you're talking, we're talking about bundle of holding. But uh, Well, yeah. I would, well, sometimes I buy paper copies of the things I've got off the bundle of holding if I really, really like them. Mm. I, I think we might want to talk sometime in the future about the best way to... Uh, we've done it before, but five years or more of experience... Oh, we might want to talk about the best way to organise um, uh, core books and GM books and players' books. Mm-hmm. But uh, for now, we'll give this a partial blessing and say that those who like that sort of thing may find it to be the sort of thing that they like. <laughs> I, I have to say, although I'm not in love with the mechanics, I really like the GM advice in, in both Modern Age and Expanse. There is some very good stuff on how to keep a campaign moving, how to keep it interesting, um, mm. all that kind of stuff, which... 
All right, I'm quite an experienced GM, but I feel there's stuff I can learn from it, so probably other people can too. Okay. Let's move on. Another bundle of holding that uh, came up, uh, in fact, after we did the main recording for this episode, is Blades in the Dark, uh, both the core book and quite a lot of extra bits. Now, I've I've never played this. I'm I'm totally terribly popular with the young people. Uh, What do you know? I'm I'm the one who does the grumpy old gen. I suppose you're almost qualified. Um, This is something I've actually been playing uh, over the recent um, over the recent weeks, run by my friend Martin Etherington, who's doing doing awfully awfully well. Um, I will admit this is not um, a game I would have gone for instantly. But it is an interesting bit of technical development and quite fun, if you like that sort of thing. Mm-hmm. I should probably say that at least part of my objections are rooted in my well-known moral wimpiness and tendency not to play evil characters. But uh, let us lay that to one side uh, for the moment. Uh, this is a, an offspring of the Powered by the Apocalypse set of games mm-hmm. it has uh, it has powered by the apocalypse in its dna um it uses playbooks extensively so and it has that let's play to find out what's going on and let's play and define the the setting as we do so uh feel of all the powered by the apocalypse games though now, in, in common with those i believe it does still have a gm just not in quite yeah. the same sense not quite, not doing quite the same set of things. Um, the setting is a huge uh, early industrial to late in late nineteenth century city, in a world in which some centuries ago, now this is one of the facts that's left vague, the sun stopped rising, and eternal darkness settled across the world. There are horrible, horrible things in the oceans called leviathans, which have to, uh, which have to be fought, not just to allow any other trade to go on, but also to provide uh, necessary ingredients to their technology. Because one of the really nasty effects is that ghosts are haunting everywhere, and the cities have to be protected by great walls of electric energy which keep the ghosts out and under control. Also presumably keep the air gaseous. I mean, call, call, call me a boring old physics type, but I, 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 like, th- I not, like being I, able to breathe gas. I think, I, think, I think what precisely the set of physics is um, on this world is, uh, is another one of those things that they're trying to discover. Um, the sun having... Uh, so the sun isn't there anymore. There is no light during the day, no extra darkness during the night, but you have to provide your own day and night, and in the cities that's possible. Now, you would think that in a world such as this, where survival can only ever be um, a marginal thing, where you have to um, work very hard to stay where you are, you'd think there would be no criminals, but no. Um Everybody appears to be at least a little bit dishonest, whether they're rich or poor. 
and you are playing criminals who um, are trying to stash enough gold that they can retire from the game and live a reasonably comfortable, if abbreviated, existence in a world like this um, and get by. And that's what everybody is like. Um, and everybody's conspiring, even the very rich people, especially the very rich people are conspiring. And poor, poor slobs who like the player characters are just expected to get on with it, rub people, beat them up, um, con them out of their goods, and generally um, have have larcenous, illegal fun whilst bribing the police and everybody else. And I'm, I'm noticing can. a thing which um, we, we've talked occasionally on the podcast about the TV series Leverage as an example of the modern criminal yeah. slash heist thing and a thing that they were always very careful to do because you know these are criminals is to make yeah. sure that their victims are always portrayed as worse criminals you know they, these are really horrible people and and these thieves are doing the thing whatever the thing may be in order to make something better for somebody who, who doesn't deserve to the crap they're in yeah uh, uh leverage is about retired criminals who are fixing things for well, people I'm th- yeah that, yeah, that's the, there, that's there the framing. Isn't... What what I'm saying is, in terms of the stuff they do, they are they are criminals doing criminal things. The the point is, the framing is very careful to set that up mm. so that they are the good guys. And it seems to me that that's not a thing that's going on here. It's it's so not. My um, uh, I'm having d- difficulty with the fact that apparently I'm not only a, a wannabe good guy, I'm also a coward. Well, I knew that. Um, and do not want to. The game is designed that you go out and you be big goddamn thieves, and you are super competent, uh, rising from the very bottom to the very top, and trying to um, and trying to do it yourselves a good favour. In the meantime, it's pretty bleak, and I try not to think about it too much. <laughs> Uh, my guy in this is the is Chime. He's a whisper. He is one of the ghost specialists. He uh, calls up ghosts to pull nasty tricks on people. He protects the rest of the gang from ghosts, and he negotiates with the free ghosts that are around. So uh, he's an intellectual and is obsessed with discovering what really happened to the sun and the lost gods. Don't expect any gods to come along and save you in this thing, because. Mm -hmm. Now, the structure is that you have not just individual player character sheets, but also a sheet for your crew. You are a specific type of criminal specialising in a specific thing. Though you can pull any sort of job that you like, a la breaking and entering uh, difficult retrieval experts. Uh, But we quite like conning people, and we're not averse to a bit of violence. Uh, when the opportunity comes. We have a couple of very violent people on staff. Mm-hmm. Um, and the cycle of the game is you start with an idea, you propose what you're going to do, and a vague sort of initial plan um, in categories. And you make roles to determine how well the initial plan went and when you have to start rolling again. Um so, in, in terms of the standard um, heist action structure, this is this is trying to say: on the one hand, we don't want to spend ages actually showing the plan, just as the film of the heist doesn't spend ages yeah. showing the plan. Yeah. But 
in order to maintain tension. We, we want to say both there was a really good plan and something went wrong with it. And, and yeah, therefore, the, they, had, therefore they had to improvise and be heroic. On a, on a rare... You, you always have to improvise and be heroic, at least in my experience. Mind you, we are a very low-level crew. <laughs> um, and uh, and you, uh, but it's merely a question of how soon. The structure of the resolution system is you roll some d6s. Um, you can get more d6s if other people will help you. You can get more d6s if you decide to say, I brought along my special piece of kit. It is occupying one of the, um, one of the slots in my inventory. Mm-hmm. Um, you can get more dice by saying, I'm making a special effort. And that brings in stress. I'll come back to stress in a moment. And you roll all the dice that you've managed to gather. The GM has already decided, are you in the deep shit at this moment in time, or are you Mm. cool-ish? And how effective is this likely to be, given the people you're going up against and the equipment and training that you have? Um, So if you roll a six, that's a full success. If you roll two sixes, that's um, that's a critical. You, however, four or five, four and fives are partial successes. You succeed, but something bad happens, and one to three is the GM is allowed to screw you. And that's you're you're basically die. taking this as the highest of the dice you roll, yeah. Yeah. Um, so, or, a, a or in the case of two sixes, the case of two sixes is the highest of two. Yeah. So a casual inspection suggests that if you've got one die, that's about 17% chance of full success, two dice about 30%, three dice about 42%. Mm. I'm, I'm sure I'm not supposed to be thinking these things. But, you know, with, with, with three dice, I've got nearly 90% chance of getting at least a partial success. Yes, it is intended to be that effective. You've also got a thing called resistance, which I suppose can be best described as your chance, when you find yourself hanging off a balcony by your fingertips, of pulling yourself back up again. And this brings stress in again. Mm-hmm. You have, at least I think our characters have, or characters have at the start, eight points of possible stress. You can spend it or accumulate it in various ways. If you go over your total stress... It resets to zero, but you take trauma, which is a long-term emotional effect. It's it's played by the description. You become unsympathetic. You become nervous. It's a, a long-term acquired mental disadvantage. And eventually, if you get enough of those, you're going to have no choice but to retire. Mm. But uh, you can, in downtime, get rid of um, it by going and indulging your vice. Hmm. Um, everybody has a vice. My character is going off and doing arcane research. But you roll a d6 to get rid of a vice. I'm, I'm sure there are vices that are more fun. I'm perfectly sure. Some of my, my comrades will tell me them in tedious detail. <laughs> but um, but they have. Uh, but if you really want to go off and indulge in drugs or um, get yourself uh, or get yourself laid a lot with various people. Um, the only problems you get there are the associ- are the flavour of the associated difficulties that you get into. Um, if you, something goes wrong uh, whilst indulging there, 
the most difficulty my character has caused so far is the attention of the worshippers of one of the old gods and a very unsympathetic fire spirit um, who came along and possessed one of our members. Mostly when you get, when you overindulge and go into negative numbers of stress, uh, you are just lost for some time and your replacement character has to come along mm. and do what they whatever it is they do. My replacement character is another thug because you can't have quite enough thugs now, can you? <laughs> Um, right. And if everything goes well, and so far things have gone well for us in our little crew, the Chosen, we're modest we are, <laughs> then you can spend the money, you can give the money to your crew, you give some of the money to the more advanced crew who is letting you operate on their turf, you can, you can gain more experience for the whole crew, um, you can... Um, you can move your level up if you've become notorious enough and become more famous, more noted, more experienced. Just what every thief wants, a public reputation. Well, yes, they're called the Chosen, but nobody knows where they can find them. <laughs> well, you want, you want an underworld reputation, so people come to you and offer you jobs. Unfortunately, if you have an underworld reputation, the, the, the guard also knows where to find you. And the watchmen do need to be bribed on a regular basis. That's another thing you can do in downtime and really should. You also get to advance your own characters. Mm -hmm. Buying advantages for your crew and advantages for your character and advancing the very few skills you've got for your character is also a thing. The skills are fairly broad then. I feel the skills are fairly broad. I think there's something like 12 of them in the whole game. Mm -hmm. And they're grouped in... In, in three groups of four, which uh, provide the characteristics for the um, resistance roles. But, uh, yeah, it's, it's, it's quite neat. It all slots together. And, and you can at least reflect, as you're dangling over that precipice, uh, well, at least the de desperate move that I'm about to make is going to improve my character, assuming he lives. You're probably wondering how I ended up in this situation. <laughs> the more alert among you may have noticed. Um, so yeah, it, like it, it sounds as if this is. I mean, clearly it is a role-playing game, but as as far as the games that you and I, well, particularly I, tend tend to play, it's it's a bit out on the edge. It's sort of simulationist. I see what you did there. It's sort of simulationist, but um, it sort of simulates the genre and it simulates it both before and after the dice are rolled, not necessarily at the moment. When you come to decide whether you're going to take extra dice, one of the things that the GM is supposed to offer you, and this, I can see this straining, Martin, is what's called a devil's bargain. A bad thing that you can accept happen, um, but isn't going to um, kill you right off. Hmm. As an example, there is a mechanic called a clock, which um, is the ticking down, the ticking down of the threat from the enemy. Um, when you make mistakes, you make a noise, and the the guard is now alerted. Clock starts to fill up, um, and also the ticking up of your uh, own projects or deeds. When you try to get to the top floor quietly. Your clock ticks up. When you do the research on a nice magical item you found, your clock 
ticks up. So basically, as as a way of saying this is a multi-part task yeah. that will have some effect when it is completed, whether that's by you or by the bad guys. Yeah, and it also is a multi. It's a, a it's an effect that can come about from a number of causes. Mm-hmm. Um, you screaming as you fall off the roof will tend to alert uh, the guard. Um, the chap who's got into the study and has just knocked over the vase will also tend to alert the guard. Sure. Um, so it's it's a very interesting um, and difficult and unusual game. We're having we're having fun. Um, I'm not sure we've quite got the flow of it yet, but it is. Um, I'm not as unsympathetic with it as I was expecting to be. I'm sorry if that sounds a little bit um, <laughs> ungracious. Um, and what's, what's more, if you look at the uh, current bundle of holding, it gives you uh, not only maps of the city of Duskfall and um, also encounter cards and that sort of thing. It also gives you um, the derived um, games. I think these are called Forged in the Dark, this particular... Yeah. Subset. Uh, okay, so we should probably probably separate these slightly. In that, in in the basic offer, uh, you've got Blades in the Dark itself, mm-hmm. uh, the street maps, the heist deck, which I think is basically scenario generator more or less. I think so, yeah. And the and the solo rules. Um, I'm not sure why solo would be fun. I haven't looked at it yet. Well, looked on as as a game mechanical challenge. There's, I mean, there, there are games on a similar theme designed for solo, but for for that, you would have to listen mm-hmm. to a different podcast. Uh, <laughs> Yeah. Uh, so in in the add-ons we ha- we have the settings uh, which are which are these fortune of the dark things. So what do we have here? Band well, of... I'll start. Yeah, band of, a band of blades is more depressing than um, <laughs> blades in the dark. You are a legion um, going uh, re- returning from great defeat by the forces of the undead, heading back to the last fortress and carrying out missions. On the way, um, it's dark military f- uh, fiction. You are playing simultaneously the comma the the high officer functions, the commander, the marshal, the quartermaster, that sort of thing, and they make decisions about um, what the uh, how the adventure will be formed, how the mission will be done, mm-hmm. who gets to go on it, what have you. And you're also playing what soldiers and specialists who go out and do the mission. And because it's a military thing, you're going to expect to lose people. Yeah. And uh, you're also going to expect that you're going to play, because it's a troop play thing, as far as I can make out, you're going to expect to play uh, different uh, characters to fit the different needs of the mission. And uh, it's very, it looks interesting, uh, it looks depressing. Um, it looks uh, entirely, um, it's not making depressing uh, moral judgments, but it is making depressing judgments about the state of the world and the near triumph of ultimate evil. But if that's the sort of thing that turns you on, this is going to be a great, a great <laughs> heroic retreat. Mm-hmm. Um, scum and villainy uh, is, uh, right, everybody out there, we hope, has got the literary reference. This is a Star Wars quote from Alec Guinness's character in the first movie, in the fourth movie. I beg his pardon. <laughs> uh, 
And he uh, 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 and he describes Mos Eisley spaceport as a hive of scum and villainy. In this one, there is a galactic organization called the Hegemony, which is much more um, entrenched than the Empire ever was, and it's uh, and you are criminals and or freedom fighters in a uh, border province, trying to uh, your and your organization is your ship. And uh, you are trying to keep flying and build, bring a little freedom to the galaxy. So not, um, not so much Han, Han Solo as, as his fellow smugglers who didn't get quite as involved with the revolution quite as fast. There, is, there are three options. Um, bounty hunters, smugglers and uh, revolutionaries in the mm-hmm. uh, choice, choice of shit type. But all of them will do anything when times are hard. Sure. And uh, there are mechanics for bringing down the hegemony. Um, and I haven't read all the way through it, but it looks interesting. And uh, going through the ones I haven't even read anything of, Fistful of Darkness is the Weird West one. Mm-hmm. Glowing in the Dark is near future Earth after the apocalypse going boom. Hack the, the Planet is cyberpunk future. And is there another one? Um... Uh, no, I think that's it. Okay. Um, so this is a very nice uh, just-before-Christmas present if you want to buy it for yourself. Oh, by the time you hear this, uh, it's... Well, post-Christmas, but, but yeah, yeah. If you, uh, but, uh, but, it, but it's still going until the 11th of January. So get yourself something for Twelfth Night. Uh, this is very interesting. I'm not sure... I think I'm not sure if they've explored all of the uh, possibilities of this sub um, genre of Powered by the Apocalypse. It seems to me to be doing a better job of integrating the um, the group level play with the individual level play than something like Legacy does, or uh, other Powered by the Apocalypse with a or or what's it called uh, Fellowship. Other power by the apocalypse variants, which in which the collective is very important. I mean, you could probably tack. Um, I, pro- I think you probably have to tack, as a matter of practicality, a uh, a uh, adventuring group level onto um, dungeon world. And honestly, I think it would be worthwhile if somebody wrote a good adaptation of this or. A really very simple supplement for Dungeon World that allowed um, that allowed the group to function and be defined better than it is at the moment. Which in our campaign was Drac keeping a tally of uh, what we'd earned and uh, what we'd, we'd accumulated. Yeah, and I think a lot of games have have the idea that you could go on from the random band of misfits who kill things to mm. something a bit bigger, but. It tends to be fair, get really quite fuzzy quite quickly when you start saying, "Okay, how do we do this?" Yeah, um, you could reintegrate um, dungeon fantasy into uh, GURPS fantasy quite easily, but it is very dedicatedly. We are just a band of dungeon delvers, mm-hmm. um, and it's perverse. But those who play it seem to really enjoy that. And honestly, I've enjoyed. I enjoyed earlier in the summer hacking about in Dungeon World. It was great fun. 
So that's uh, Blades in the Dark plus extra bits uh, on the bundle of holding till the 11th of January. This is a peculiar hobby that we partake of. And one of its peculiarities is that um, we tend to portray heroes of one sort or another, but we portray them as an ensemble. Now I come to think of it, that's perfectly normal in several dramatic forms, but uh, there comes a time when it breaks down. There comes a time when everybody wants to do their own thing and go off and uh, do something which isn't with the other characters um, and be the star of their own private show, have their own scene. In, in other words, the players, damn them, continue to want to split the party. Well, it, it's not just wanting to be their own star. I mean, consider your Call of Cthulhu investigation. Um, if you're going to interview a grieving widow... It's yeah. a bit weird to turn up with a private investigator, a professor of medieval metaphysics, a flapper and a bootlegger. You only need the flapper. <laughs> um, so e- even in setting, uh, most, of the, most of the stories we're emulating, or genres we're emulating perhaps, mm-hmm. are usually protagonist, uh, perhaps protagonist and sidekick. Yeah, in in basic outline, and yes, there are exceptions. Obviously, the Lord of the Rings and, and the sort of fantasy that was inspired by it. Yeah, which but, is most modern fantasy. Yeah, but if if we're looking at the Lord of the Rings and its inspira- its effect on dungeon bashes, hmm. you want the whole party together. You do, and um, there are occasions that well, the climax normally should be uh, uh, we get the team together and we solve the big problem. But look purely in a tactical sense. Um, possibly less so in, in the early days of role-playing, but these days probably you have one specialist of each sort. Well, uh, the, 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 ca- the character class is designed to give everybody something to do. The, you get two fighters, uh, a thief, a priest and a magic user are more than enough for most tasks. Yeah, but... Fighters like to fight side by side. It's true. So if you you could say in the in the old days you you might have been able to split the party and have two demi parties, each of which has a broad range of capabilities. Yeah. Simply because you have a lot of players, a lot of characters. These days, I think it, that's less likely. And I I, I I don't have survey data or anything, but I strongly suspect group sizes have gradually been tending downwards. Yeah. Um. I I I have painful memories of some of the. Uh, party sizes I attempted to manage uh, back in the back in, in the good old days that the, the grognards uh, yearn for. Mind you, uh, our friends of the grognard files, as far as I can tell, managed to uh, to spend the good old days in, in groups of uh, three or four in somebody's bedroom. So um, uh, that probably doesn't apply to everybody. All right, but the the thing is that they want to split. Up and and as you say, it's a good thing. In some ways and at some times, but it does tend to mean that, that I'm only one GM. Um, it's different doing it uh, play by 
a play by mail, or play by post, uh, or, or 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 otherwise remotely, but face to face, even remotely. I'm only one GM. I can only have one focus at an instant. And if I te- if I turn it towards Fred, who is off, uh, who is off climbing the post office tower from the outside, for reasons of his own. Uh, I can't be giving it to, to Bertha, who is deeply delving into research in the British Museum. Yeah, it, it does depend a lot on the group, I think. Uh, in some groups, uh, the players are quite happy to say, OK, I'm going to sit back for a bit and, yeah. and, and watch somebody else's scene. Uh, early editions of GURPS used to have the idea of the adversary player. In other words, the, the effectively the assistant GM who, whose job mm. was to handle the... Uh, numbers for the enemies. Yeah, I I was I never seen that done. Nor have I. The thing such. I was thinking of, um, I, I I might try it sometime, is to say, okay, uh, you you are not in your PC is not in this scene. Uh, here here is your character. This is this is the information that you, that you should um, be prepared to dispense. And here are your motivations that will get, determine whether you dispense it or not. I, th- I think players are. are at least the yeah. people I know are probably quite quite happy to play fair on something like that. Well, I've sometimes, I'd, and I want to do it more in the Ask Magica game, because we have this is a, this is a, a, a tricky point. We have a, an enchanter in the game, and he's going to go off and work in his laboratory if he's going to be following his um, his, his 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 metier. Well, another, um, another thing is how, how, I, I, how on, mechanically let me, let me, detailed is that. Uh, fair bit. Okay, but uh, but basically, it's you go off and do this. You get that much done. Um, you learn you learn this much and and improve your character by this many points. Um, and that is not deeply thrilling and exciting. And I'm, I want to get, I want to get the troop play going on so that uh, you can have a companion uh, when your investigator actually leaves the Covenant and goes out and investigates something outside it. Sure. Uh, but I'm not quite sure how I'm going to make that work online because mm, I'm, I'm currently doing a turnaround of of three or four players, four players um, doing various things and me trying to um, make their lives more interesting. Yeah, and obviously we get to get out of sync to a certain extent. Yeah. How much I how much I allow that to happen, or I'm forced to allow that to happen, is going to be something I have to discover. The party there is permanently split, but there's good manners to be uh, observed in, uh, in 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 the players. Is there good management to be observed in the GM? Uh, I've I. There's a possibility of saying when somebody says, "I want to go off and do this," you say, "All right, let's do it." Let if it's at the right point in the evening, you can say, "All right, you go off and do that on your own. We'll resolve that by email after the game." Mm-hmm. That's possible with timing. There's or there's a, where it does turn into spotlight time is, let, let's say, player A goes off to interview the grieving widow. Yeah, and. That that is spotlight time for them. They're having fun. They're they're, they're doing their you know, interviewing skills and whatnot. Mm. And player B 
uh, decides, okay, I'm going to use this, spend the same time to uh, bury myself for, for half a day in, in the extremely obscure manuscripts room of the British Library, which uh-huh. is probably going to be resolved with two die rolls. True. Which, which means, yeah, yes, you, you get the party back together faster, but that player hasn't had the solo fun thing to the same extent. No, and, and and I think where the good management comes in would be trying to find something interesting for them, maybe not at that instant, but you know at least put it down as I I owe this guy some spotlight time. Yeah, I yeah debts to uh, the players. But obviously, some players don't. I've only it. ever seen I've only I only ever seen one uh, game mechanic, and that was in a Wicked Age, I think, which noted down which noted down as part of the. Procedural generation of stories. This person is owed some uh, screen time. I, I was going to say I think there are two ways to do that. But specifically, the the research in the library problem. One is to drip feed them the information by stages. A reveals B. B reveals C. C reveals D. And only at when they've got the last bit of D do they get the full picture. But the other way to do it is to run the, the two scenes in parallel so that they have implications for each other. Um, it is, this is more thrilling in pre-cell uh, phone days when you couldn't get easily in touch with someone. But if the person in the museum comes across something which says, oh, the widow that, 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 that she's gone to interview, oh dear, oh dear, I, I, um, I hope oh, she's got a cross with her. Um, or well, an he, elder he, sign, he, he's, or whatever. Here's a photograph of that person six months ago, and she was had a completely different face and hairstyle. <laughs> here's a here's a here's a photograph there of, of this person fifty years ago, and she looks no different. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think I think if you can if you can make it's always a good idea if you can if the timing is and themes are right if you can cross cut between scenes that are happening simultaneously. It does actually work as a dramatic technique. That's a, uh, definitely a thing I'm going to have to try. Um, yeah. Okay. The getting them all back—it uh, is going to be difficult getting them all back back together. You can, if they are good enough, and if the the, the scenes you've got for them are good enough, give each of them a pacey, um, interesting encounter. With somebody or something, uh, but it does take it. It does take a lot more work, especially if you've got four players and you've only uh, you've only devised two things in advance. Um, well, what, what's, that, what's that standard thing? If there should be three clues leading to any given piece of information, but it's still only three. Yeah, but, um, and you, and you hope hope two of them go off together. I, yeah, though, yeah, I, th- I, I, I think, think I th- a certain amount of narrative is always, important here as well. Um, I, I've certainly seen published adventures where where they basically say if you go and visit this person, then you get jumped by those guys on the way back because those guys were watching this person. Yes, and that um, that, that I think is a thing that you okay maybe it's going to be a combat encounter, but you you pretty much have to scale it for the number of PCs. And, yes, and how capable uh, they are. Yes, you do need to. Uh, um, it, you should never neglect the guy coming through the door with the gun. Or the thugs waiting to beat the information after, out of you afterwards. Um, 
there's a nice use of that in uh, I, I looked at the first of the Harry Stubbs stories that you mentioned in your mm. uh, and there's a, a good use of of that when the four heavies try and beat up um, Harry and discover that he's an ex-boxing champion and and that turns into uh, three of them having their bodies found uh, in in an un, in murdered in an unlikely fashion um, uh, the next uh, a couple of days later which is which is the way to do it Narr- narrative build upon narrative build episode one leads to episode two leads to episode three leads to the climax yeah th- this is I I think pointing towards a more improvisational style of GMing, because I can say, you know, in this situation there are these clues available. But if if I can also stay on top of things and say, well, yeah, all right, but they did this about getting that clue, how can that flavour? Yeah. What happens later? Yeah, look, uh, we're not playing Cluedo. Um, You don't just pick up information... Even Cluedo, all, all 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 games, including board games, are role playing games. Even well, maybe not Go. <laughs> um, all right, there's a certain amount of, fant- of Oriental fantasy built into Go, and a certain amount of uh, cultural baggage to go with chess as well. Be this as it may, um, yeah, it's all it's so Clue, as I was saying has a certain amount of flavour, but it's mechanically very dull. You want to give them the eccentric librarian or the little old lady who lived next door to the sorcerer. You want to give them flavour, because without flavour, you might as well be drawing uh, cards from a pack. Yeah, what what I want as a player is to play my character. In other words, to to, to, converse in character, to make decisions in character. Um, to say, okay, th- this is the way this person solves it, rather than yeah. generic PI or generic flapper. Yes, uh, and the sense uh, you can't always service their sense of self, but you can give them at least some quality definition to the world. Yeah. I think that the conversation yeah, I... the bootlegger has with the grieving widow is not the same as the conversation anybody else has. This is true, e- even but if they uh... get the same information out of it. Yes, but, but they do it by liquid means. Um, I think the uh, yeah, I, I the ideal is if you they've split four ways is to give each of them a uh, five to ten ten minute focused, well played scene which makes a unique contribution to the uh, to the campaign and gives them a reason to scuttle back and tell their friends about it afterwards so you can reunite the party. And put all the information together, but um, that is the ideal, and it's not easy. Discouraging them from splitting up is should it be done, or should you let it go where it feels like? Um, well, that that comes down to pace management, doesn't it? I mean, if if things are getting slow and flabby, and you and you and you want to speed things up, then yeah. probably you want the party to stay together a bit more, and and have mm. have more action focused things happening. And it, it it's a I think one could say a problem of many RPGs that the fight is mechanically more complex than almost anything else. So if you're having a fight, it can be exciting, but it takes a while. Yeah. And for for that, it's really uh, best if you can have everybody involved, I think. Mm. Um, even if you're... I, I have one character who's 
come over in the Bainstorm, and Jenny wants to play a coward again. And this <laughs> is... Oh, yeah, her character is going to be the bard. Um, so maybe she's the one who gets... He's the one who gets kidnapped um, and has to be rescued. Um, and, and, and really, the bard should be taking care of spying, infiltration, and information gathering, and um, what have you. But uh, uh, but but it may become stressful uh, if the if the if the undead start crawling out of the woodwork um, because to have somebody who really doesn't want to be there. Mm. Oh well, sorry, that was me me digressing. It was definitely a digression. Yeah, some of the and the the thing I've done with with uh, occult investigation type games mm. is no, to, a, yeah. is to have as part of the player briefing you're going to be the sort of person who who has a motivation and Trail of Cthulhu makes this explicit but yeah, yeah. You, you've got some reason why you're going to keep looking into this stuff after you've found out what killed your uncle. Yeah, even even though it makes no sense to your long term survival. Um, uh, you are go- going to go out and do this thing nobly for the sake of the cosmos and the British Empire. Eh. As long as they remain you know, mutually compatible. Well, yeah, if, uh... if they collide, we know which is going to win. <laughs> ah. Oh, it's dashed lonely out here in the endless void, but at least we have tea. <laughs> <laughs> well, I... Th- I... I think there must be better ways to manage uh, the splitting of the party, but I think we've covered a fair amount of of, um, of the craft that we've managed to come up with, anyway. Yeah, flexibility, improvisation, and yeah, balance, balance. I think mm. between the fairness toward, towards all the players and not letting any of them fall through the gap, um, even the ones who don't want any screen time. You probably get to do something. Yeah, well, if if you say to a player, okay, you know, you you, you go to the British Library and they say, yeah, okay, can I just make a library use roll? Um, then all right, they're saying yeah. I don't I don't particularly want to do this. Yeah, or I, 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 yeah, I insisted I have this scene, but I don't want to go into details. Is a bit odd, to be honest. Mm. I, I, I've had I've had it happen, but it's still a bit odd. Well, let's face it, we're all players of people, and people are weird. This is true. Um, I'm not sure if they're weirder face-to-face or at a distance. Probably at a distance, but only just. I have not struck a player for for low these many years, and I only threw a die at him. Yeah, how heavy was it? Oh, resin about two and a half inches cube. Yeah, yeah, that's probably... (laughs) Uh, that was probably not um, health and safety compliant, <laughs> all things considered. I chucked it very slowly and he, was, he knew it was there. <laughs> oh, uh, oh, we should probably do uh, put chastising the players in for, <laughs> um, an, for another um, uh, adults-only <laughs> section. The, the, this of is the, more difficult remotely, though, though a certain amount of technical skill can help. Oh, yes. <laughs> well, are you using a transporter? No, no, internet protocol. Right, be this as it may. Onward.
Well, we are painfully aware that at uh, this particular festive season of the year, you probably just had to split your party into several different directions on uh, in different uh, households and on different continents. But we hope that you nonetheless manage to roll uh, critical conviviality and cordiality and and uh, and what's the other word beginning with C? Um, Continue roll. <laughs> Only in the kitchen whilst bitching about Auntie Maud. Hospitality, that's the word beginning with C I was groping for. We hope you made critical roles on all those and had a good time nonetheless. And Santa brought you even nicer things uh, than he brought us. Because we are on the nice list. Well, I have anyway. Uh, we'll, we'll be back again at the beginning of February. Uh, if you have comments on the show, leave a message on the forum or email podcast at stakelly.ly. And we hope to see you then.